The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This week's episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by New Media Dojo. Make a sound impression with New Media Dojo and inquire today about all of your podcast production needs. Just head over to newmediadojo.com to talk podcast. That's newmediadojo.com. I mean, I love that I can just sit down and inhale 10 great nonfiction books in one sitting with the shit that never touch you <laughs> and um, probably belongs on every uh, college student's coffee table right next to the bong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Oh, no, why? I mean, no, I mean why? there's going to be a bong there. There's a bong. Be. <laughs> a, book, a book goes best with a bong or a beer. Greetings, scribes, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you wisdom, words, and wherewithal. Co-hosts of top international podcast, What You Will Learn, Adam Ashton and Adam Jones spoke to me about why writers should and can read more, how to turn a podcast into a book, and the shit they never taught you. What You Will Learn became Australia's number one book podcast with over 4 million downloads, 300 episodes and interviews with some of the biggest nonfiction authors in the business. The Adams pledged to deliver the best bits from the best nonfiction books weekly on their show, and now they've distilled their collective knowledge even further into their own book. That compendium, The Shit They Never Taught You, offers takeaways from over 100 of the world's greatest thinkers, capturing lessons in personal development, career, business, personal finance, human nature, history, and philosophy. Everything from growth mindset, GTD, to man's search for meaning. The formulas for reading more with greater retention. Why turning a podcast into a book isn't easy. The importance of sticky notes, marginalia, life-changing books, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published. And drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help other writers find us. Thanks so much. All right. I am honored today to be back on The Writer Files with a couple Adams from Down Under. What's going on, gentlemen? Great to be with you here, Carlton. We're uh, (laughs) 
uh, 7 a.m. for us here in Melbourne. It's a cold morning. Um, and mm. yeah, looking forward to chatting about uh, our book and and what you've been doing as well. Well, um, why don't you introduce yourself so we can get to know your voices? Because I've made this mistake before with <laughs> multiple guests. I think we just heard from Adam Jones, but uh, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself and then go from there? Yeah. So uh, my name's Adam Jones. I uh, about seven years ago or eight years ago, I wasn't a reader. At the time, I was a bit of a party animal, really. Uh, a lot of party drugs, a lot of alcohol, binge drinking on weekends. I was at university, but probably just doing enough to scrape by. And then luckily, I came across one book. It was called Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And uh, I really didn't believe that a book could really do that much for me. But um, this book really helped me quit smoking, not only easily, but it made me enjoy the whole process. And the book cost me, what, 20 or 30 bucks and probably saved me a million dollars over a lifetime in terms of not buying cigarettes and let alone the, the years lived. So I've probably got an extra five, six, seven years or something in my life expectancy. So after, after reading this one book, I was really convinced of the return on investment. Um, and after that, I've really looked to replace the destructive habit of smoking was something equally and oppositely powerful in reading books. And uh, since then, read 300 books and um, met Asho pretty early along that way. And we we found we had this uh, connection when it came to books. And that's how we uh, that's how we started the podcast, through the love of books. So Ashto, as you're known, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, you got two Aussies. Two Adams. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> people can uh, eventually tell the difference between our voices. We've been we've been told that uh, we sound pretty similar to to international uh, people who just think all Aussies <laughs> sound the same. But hopefully, hopefully, you can tell the difference. This is Adam Ashton Ashto over here. Um, as Jonesy said, we uh, we sort of connected over our mutual love of books and reading. Uh, for me, I hadn't read any books other than what you had to read at high school, like uh, Shakespeare and Charles Dickens and, and boring stuff like that, boring for me anyway at the time. Uh, and it wasn't until probably like four or five years after high school where I started to discover books again and started to, to kindle a bit of a love for books. I probably read 10 books in the first year, 30 books in the second year, and then ever since then I've been reading 50 to 60 books every year. Yeah, and that's not a small feat, but... Um... I want to talk about that, and I find it I find it fascinating that you guys met behind a bar, right? Is that right? That's exactly right. So uh, <laughs> we were both working at a pretty dirty pub in a in a local town with a lot of bar flies and everything like that. And it was my last day of work before I went traveling overseas. Um, this big six foot eight uh, six foot eight bloke just walks in and. Um, stumbles across and it was big ash show and uh so we had if we had i think we only had one shift together working at the pub but then three years later we met again at a pub because i was sitting there with a beer in one hand and a book in the other and as she goes hang on do i know you and then he recognized <laughs> the book i had in my hand which was how to win friends and influence people which mm-hmm. was one of ash show's favorite favorite books so um yeah then from there we we really hit it off we kept meeting up once a week to talk about our projects, to talk about the books we were reading, just to talk about all sorts of stuff. And um, and from there, that similar kind of conversation was what transformed as the uh, origins of the podcast. We thought, 
we find our conversations pretty interesting. Why don't we just hit record? And that's exactly what we did with very little effort. And uh, yeah, from there, the podcast grew and uh, evolved in different ways. And and if the listeners don't know the podcast, it's what you will learn where you dig into all of these fantastic nonfiction books. And um, yeah, it's grown, it's grown this fantastically huge audience um, in Australia, especially um, as a book podcast there. But yeah, you're covering the best, as you, as you put it, the best bits from the best books. And what I found fascinating about the podcast was that you realized that at a certain point that you were writing a kind of a book at the same time. But let's talk mm-hmm. about that, the kind of the process of take us back a little bit to just simply kind of the genesis of the podcast, where you both realized that this was something that the world needed, you know, that we needed to, there's something so compelling about the idea that you can distill the essence of like a great nonfiction book into, you know, this 20 minute conversation between friends. But it also, to me, was a reminder that, oh yeah, there's all these great books that I've meant to revisit the content, but you know, the human, you know, our brains can only hold so much information, right? And to me, it was like, oh yeah, I wanted to remember the tipping, you know, the the key facets of like the tipping point. So here's, here it is in a podcast form. I can multitask, I could do this thing. When did you realize that this was something that was really going to catch on? Uh, I think we probably still haven't realized that. I think early on, early on, it wasn't really <laughs> necessarily doing it for the for the whole world. It was definitely necessarily at the start doing it mostly for us. Uh, for us, the big problem was yeah. we just sort of we started, I guess, our reading journey, but we'd often get to the end of a page or the end of a chapter or the end of the book and just realize that we hadn't really read anything, or maybe like our eyes were looking at the words, but we hadn't really taken anything in, um, yeah. and we'd get to the end of the book and just think what the hell did i just read like you said we couldn't we couldn't even remember the key bits um mm-hmm. of that book so it was sort of the the first reason for starting the podcast was really just for ourselves to improve our own retention to force ourselves to read more often and more quickly uh, was definitely a big part but then to improve that retention to actually get to the end of a book and know that we had to talk about it uh, within the next couple of days meant that we had to read a lot more actively. Um, it meant we had to be on the lookout for the important information. And then obviously for us, it meant going back through the book multiple times, doing multiple versions of notes and trying to structure up our own episode and doing all mm-hmm. that so many times and then talking about the book and then listening back to the episode forced us to really expose ourselves to that same book six, seven, eight times in a week and hmm. our retention just went through the roof. And then uh, eventually, I think, as you say, other people started to realize it was, a, it was a good thing as well. You know, 20, 30 minutes, the best bits from the best books. Either you can, like you said, remember some of the, the key bits from a book that you'd read in the past or you could discover a new book that you haven't heard of before. Uh, sometimes you might think, cool, that episode was awesome, that's enough. Or sometimes you might think, wow, that was awesome. I've just got a little taste. It was almost a bit of a teaser. I want to go out and buy and read the full thing for myself. So I think people listen in a whole bunch of different ways. But ultimately for us, it's just about learning, reading, discovering, retaining. Yeah. And I think uh, as Asha was saying, there's like a good book we read. um, What was the computer science one, Asha? Was it Algorithms to Live By. 
That's right. Algorithms to live by. But in it, it talks about the explore and exploit strategy for when you're looking to do anything. And um, mm-hmm. having a explore element to what you're doing at the beginning is is really helpful because it helps you do a uh, yeah, exploration period to find out what you like, what really resonates for you. And then after you know what you like, you can go out and exploit what you've learned so far. So I think a lot of people listening to our podcast use it as part of their explore part of the the equation of um, getting across so many episodes. You might they not they probably won't keep up with this reading a book a week, but even if they're reading a book a month and they're listening to every episode, they're at least going to come across a lot of good books that they know are going to resonate with them before they go out and buy it themselves. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction, And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, when it, when it comes especially to writers and a lot of writers listen to the writer files, I'm assuming, um, what, you know, why do you think writers especially should be reading more and maybe more nonfiction, even if they're you know, um, fiction authors, I think, I think nonfiction plays a huge part in, as you put it, that kind of, um, exploitation, (laughs) exploitation piece, the, you know, the, between the exploit and exploit, I I know that I know what you're talking about exactly, but it's really, I think in the creative process comes down to kind of like processing these important pieces of information and they somehow cross germinate into your creativity, don't they? Yeah, I think, uh, there's a lot to learn from the way nonfiction books are structured uh, as as writers. So I think at the very start, we just started reading and, and thought, oh, that that feels nice to read. I kind of understand that. But over time, after reading a lot of books, you kind of realize what sort of works and really get nitpicky at the structure of nonfiction books that are great. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of books out there with a lot of 
a lot of stories, maybe too much stories that are too arbitrary and too fluffy that, that don't really connect to what the lesson of the book is, whereas some sure. nonfiction authors really nail the, the use of stories because uh, what, we've, what we've found anyway is that a lesson is like building a house. You've got bricks and mortar. The lesson might be the bricks, but how you set the mortar around it, how you use stories, how you use metaphors is super important to how the actual lesson sticks in the reader's mind. So I think I think through reading a lot of books, I think getting that equation of bricks to mortar, how to make the mortar as decent as possible to make the the lesson, which is probably the 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 author's knowledge, um, really stick for the the reader. So let's get in, let's dig into your process. So we're ta- the book is the shit they never taught you. Um, what you can learn from books and congrats on the work. It is a tome and it is, um, it's great. I think I wish I had had this book 10 years ago. And I think you guys probably feel the same way (laughs) about, you know, if we could go back in time, obviously we can't, but yeah. So from growth mindset to GTD and then seven habits to search for meaning. I mean, there's all these fantastic breakdowns of books that probably every human being should read but really um what it boils down to is like we don't have the time we don't have the you know not everybody has like just an unlimited amount of time to just sit on a desert island and read these books which you should so this is great i mean it's like i open i open it up and you kind of i'm impressed with the uh the rules for reading the book um and the formula obviously but i also like the the kind of, you know, you have three suggestions for kind of how to get into the book. And one of them is, you know, just pick 10 or, you know, plop it down like a, a coffee table book. And I'm going to do all the things, but I thought, okay, I can get into this and I can just, I can grab some, just some universal wisdom that you've just called here. And let's talk about the process behind this because it starts out as a podcast when did you realize it was becoming a book? When, when did you have that moment of realization when, oh yeah, we're going to turn this into a, a tome? I think probably three years in, uh, we're, about, we're a bit over five years into the podcasting journey now. I think three years mm-hmm. in was when we first tried to make a book. Uh, we didn't know what the book was or what it was going to be. We just thought, okay, let's, we had like this challenge every day you have to write like a, three to 500 word mini blog post of sorts. We did that every day for two months. And then at the end, we're like, okay, hopefully then it'll magically form into something and we'll realize what the book is. So we'll discover (laughs) through doing. And uh, we got to the end and thought, there's nothing here. And then we kind of stopped and just put it away for a year. Um, And then it was like another 12 or 18 months later when we're like, okay, let's, let's have another crack. And we actually set out with a, with a goal in mind. Um, that first goal was to just do 100 books and do like a thousand word summary of each effectively. And that was our plan for the book. And sort of, again, we went out and did uh, sort of one each 50 days in a row and uh, got to the point where we had our 100 book summaries and we got to the point where we had a hundred thousand words and, um, and we got to the point where Jonesy says, I think we're nearly done. Um, and then uh, it was another 15 months after that of rewriting restructuring starting again pulling it apart putting it back together um to get to the final version of what we actually did yeah okay so so through through the process what has become your uh most efficient method for 
you know, there's this phrase that's, or I think it's a quote, somebody, somebody's quoted as saying, I'm not a speed reader, I'm a speed understander. At, at what point are you, the both of you kind of realizing that you've like, you're, you're speed understanding these things, you're, and then, then you have a note taking process, and then you have a writing process. I mean, this is like, this is serious stuff. Like, you're, you're getting into the nitty gritty of what it takes to write your own nonfiction book based on like the great work, you know, you've, you've kind of reverse engineered the great works of all of the, all of the best nonfiction writers of, you know, a particular class. Like when, when do you realize that these things are starting to take hold for your own benefit? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say where, well, me personally, I'm not necessarily speed understanding. I think it's just blunt the amount of hours we put into, uh, into each podcast, restructuring everything and then, taking the author's stories and trying to add a bit of our own spice to it. Yeah. Um, so we, we've been doing that for a long time. And in writing the book, it was after we'd written the 100 summaries, the next step was after we put it out for feedback was that it was a bit boring, the, the original uh, first draft of it. So we had to go and find that bit of essence that we have from the podcast. And uh, that's what we brought in for the next iterations beyond that um, based on the feedback. So I think... Hmm. I don't think we're necessarily best understanders. It's just if you put if you put so much time into the book, just reading it, and then actually actively uh, actively having your highlighter out, taking your notes, going back through the notes, and then talking about it, talking about how where it's popped up in maybe pop culture recently, or hmm. in your day mm-hmm. job, or just personal examples. And then after doing that so much, it sort of just starts to sink in a little bit. And then I think um, you can. St- start to bring in your own spin on the original author's work is is what we definitely have tried to do with the podcast and in the book. Interesting. Ashta, you got a take on that one? Yeah, I'd probably agree that I'm also not a speed understander. It, it is probably just through doing it a lot, a lot. I think we, by having read so many books and going back to what you said earlier, I think it is vital that, that writers read uh, if that's not already um, evident that I think like reading so many different books, we got an understanding of what sort of we personally did and didn't like. Um, we've read mm-hmm. a lot of good books, but we've also read a lot of books that we think are crap. And so we wanted mm-hmm. to try and avoid avoid some of those things, um, move more <laughs> towards the things that we thought subjectively were, were good things to have in a book. Um, and I think, I don't know, yeah, I, I kind of don't know how someone would write a book without reading a whole bunch of books first. Like, I don't know if I if I could write a good book without having read the amount of books we did. Obviously, ours specifically leans on other books, but even without leaning on the lessons of other books, I think I would need to have read a whole bunch of books to understand how to structure up and how to write a good book. I mean, I love that I can just sit down and inhale 10 great nonfiction books in one sitting with the shit they never touch <laughs> and um, probably belongs on every uh, college student's coffee table right next to the bong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Oh, no way. I mean, no, no I mean way. there's going to be a bong there. There's a bong. Be. The, the, book, the book goes best with a bong or a beer or both at the same time. So Man. Maybe you choose the book first, uh, ideally, <laughs> and then you and then you hit the bung after a couple a couple uh, segments. But um, no, uh, it, it is it is a lot of fun and very important, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I want to talk about 
note taking and to, you know i know you're gonna have some proprietary stuff you don't want to talk about the secrets of like the secret sauce of how the podcast is created and you guys have this great natural rapport and a lot of a lot of fun um on the show the show is great the show's a, a great way to again kind of dig into these important books uh dip your toe while you're you know doing other things the best part about podcasts right but mm-hmm. talk about um how you break down how you personally each of you break down a book do you use are you using are, are you handwriting notes are you verbally taking notes are you do you have a, a spreadsheet a word doc like what are you sh- are you sharing notes like how how is this working best for you so that you can um, as you put it, you guys are putting a lot of time into each episode. And so it makes sense that, you know, the writing piece would be a little bit easier for you. But you're, you're just talking about like, what, 25 to 30 hours per episode? That's a lot of time. You said we didn't want to give any, away any proprietary stuff. I'm trying to think if there is any proprietary. I don't think there is. I think we're just reading <laughs> books and then talking about them. <laughs> okay, cool. I think it's the only, I think the only proprietary thing is taking those 25 to 30 hours a week that most people wouldn't be doing and we're the only ones sort of doing that much uh, that much effort to read the books and take the notes and and go back and forth. So for me, um, I think our, our process has evolved a lot over time. I think from the first episode, Jonesy had notes, whereas I was just literally like flicking through my highlights of the book. Hmm. And uh, but highlights like when you mean, when you say highlights, is that like on a Kindle? Is it like actual highlights with a highlighter pen? All physical, physical only, and okay. uh, always with a pencil. Hmm. Actually, it started off. It started off because I, I did. I just had this. Uh, I wanted to keep the books pristine, so I'd actually like put a sticky note on it and then write a note on the sticky note, or just like point okay. the sticky note to a section. But then I um, <laughs> eventually realized that I would like it was better to actually make the uh, make the book my own. I guess by adding my marks on it. But still, only pencil, so I could erase it. I don't want to. I don't go into the pen or the highlighter. That's too. That's a step too far for me so far. But the uh, and then for the for the listener when you were when you were doing that Ash show for the listener it was it was a lot of uh, rummaging through pages. Like we, we, I don't think we listened back to uh, a lot of paper flicking. <laughs> a lot of paper flicking. <laughs> it was uh, horrendous. But and also like we'd just jump around <laughs> everywhere. I'd be like, oh Jonesy, you know, on page seventy two, that was an awesome quote that he said. Whatever. And then Jonesy would jump to page 120 and then say some other quote, and uh, <laughs> it really didn't really go anywhere. Um, so, so, so now we, uh, after a lot of time, we sort of re- refined the system to now it just takes hours and hours and hours. I feel like the, the more we do it, it's not the better we get at it. It's like the the longer it takes. I think we're doing more and more and more hours. Um, mm. But for me, it's it's the, the the pencil notes as I'm going, like, so highlighting, circling, putting stars and, and ticks and crosses and stuff next to different sections. Um, I'm always trying to look for what's the, the what's like the, the tension buildup, what's either the academic study they've done or what's the anecdotal story that they've pulled out or what's the, the pop culture reference that they've used. So I'm looking for that. And then I'm also looking for the kicker, like what's the point? What are they trying to teach us? What's the, the actual lesson that we need to learn? Um, and so that's sort of, as I'm going through, I'm trying to highlight the best bits, um, that will make sense in the episode. And at the same time, I'm trying to think of the structure of the episode. You know, what are the, what are the different parts of the episode? How are we going to structure a narrative? You know, like what's the introductory stuff? What's the core theories they need to know? What's the, what's the fun studies that they've done or the cool stories that they've done? And how do we sort of take somebody on along the learning journey? Um, not just sharing the best bits, but helping them learn along the way as they go as well. 
Mm-hmm. And then post reading the book, it's probably now between six to eight hours of of typing those from the physical book that I've highlighted or, or put pencil around, uh, typing that into like a mind map and structuring that up as the mm. first round of notes. And then the the mind map goes over to Jonesy. He'll, he'll structure, he'll chop bits, he'll add bits, he'll flesh out what's already there, he'll delete entire sections, he'll add an entire section. Um, and then we have probably two or three back and forths like that, adding and subtracting and, and refining and trying to, trying to chop it down as much as possible um in all honesty we start probably casting a wide net and then try to try to chisel it down from there to to something as short as possible so that we can keep it short keep it light keep it fun um and add a bit of our own spice in between as well and uh and that's that's probably the that's probably the secret sauce that's the proprietary knowledge of the (laughs) podcast is uh is read a lot of books and spend a lot of time writing notes it sounds easy (laughs) (laughs) um i am in awe of of the process and honestly um i will of course link to what you will learn.com yeah what do you think i mean i want to ask you about things about american culture that you dislike but uh (laughs) let's talk (laughs) a little more constructively before i ask you that one um i don't know just to kind of about um you're you're interviewing a lot of great authors and then you know you're talking about retention 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 which i think is so important when it comes to especially nonfiction stuff but how do you feel like a what what has what has maybe changed in your own lives and then um i have a sub question to that but let's start there there's there's so much there's so many books we've we've read where there has been i think sometimes there's a really specific change where you can point your finger to directly from the book like uh like the smoking one i said before i read an alcohol one um life-changing magic of tidying up productivity books eat that frog all those sorts of things you can really point to but then there's also ones that uh you read and you learn and then there's then you might make a decision six months later that uh, you don't realize at the time it's probably because you read that book and understanding how to direct your career or how to do a certain um, you know, marketing tactic or something like that. So uh, I think there's a lot that accumulates over time and um, you don't remember exactly how your brain structured in this way where you, you came up to that decision, but um, for both of us, I'd say it's almost certainly because of books. So yeah, right in the book, is, there's 115 books in the one, so I think um, regurgitating all that information again changed me in in that way. But also, for me, my personal identity. I I actually would have thought I'm a not a writer for pretty much my whole life until I actually wrote this book. And um, since then, I find it much easier to actually get down and start writing things, just because I feel like my whole identity shifted to being an author. And um, I'm not I'm not scared of writing like I used to be. Ashta, you gonna take this one? Yeah, I think I think Jonesy covered it pretty well. For us, for reading books, there's a mix of books that are some are the specific changes. Some are like, here's the three steps to go out and do this, and then you go and do it. Um, some of those obvious sort of tangible ones. Some are more the less tactical and more strategic. Uh, so it might be just like a a filter 
through which you see the world or a different lens through which you see different situations or scenarios. So mm-hmm. there's not a, a specific change, but you see things a little bit differently. Um, some some are sort of more strategic, whether that's in business or in career or um, or in relationships where you start to, there's nothing specific you can do, but just a different way of thinking about them. So I think like the accumulation of all of those, it seems like every, every book we read gives us something. Um, I don't think there's, I can't think of too many books that I get to the end and thought that was a waste of time. I didn't learn anything. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. There's always there's always something that that we can learn from from books. Um, and then for us, it's it's been great to go that one the level beyond reading. Um, so go that level beyond just reading the books for ourselves, but to then share them with other people as well. Share the best bits on the podcast and share the best bits in our book as well. Yeah, I can see you're applying the seven habits of. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so if you had, <laughs> if you had, uh, if you could just recommend each of you one book, the one seminal book that maybe had the greatest effect on you to date, mm. and and maybe not, you know, maybe not one where that would be obvious, but like one that that you kind of like were like blindsided by. Could you name one um, of your of your children, your favorite children? I'm going <laughs> to, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to go with two answers and I'm probably going to take one of Astro's to make him uh, think a bit harder. Who's going to answer next, mm. but I'd say book one, if you're not, a, if you haven't read many books in the past, uh, you can't go past seven habits of highly effective people. It is yeah. a, it is a bit of a cliche book and it's popular, which contrarians out there don't really uh, like, but the seven habits are absolutely phenomenal as a self-help sort of guide and if you follow them it's going to really be quite impactful for a lot of people so that's book one for a lot of people if, if someone's been mm-hmm. out there been reading for a while let's say it yeah say book 30 40 50 i think laws of human nature by robert green it mm. sort of goes the other end it's the it's quite a dark book whereas a lot of self-help it kind of lifts you up it's all positive thinking all that sort of stuff uh, Robert Greene really delves deep into your own psyche and unpacks a lot of the the dark parts of human nature. So um, the shadow that we've all got and how we can integrate the shadow into our lives and sort of a different, totally different take on self-help, I'd say, but um, extremely powerful. And it, it changed my brain, say, book 150, 200 for me, and it's probably my number one favorite book at the moment. And I didn't really see that coming after reading so many books. So that's laws of human nature as another one. Yeah, I think something at the start, um, if someone had read, say, less than 10 self-help books, uh, I would definitely recommend The Slight Edge or The Compound Effect. Uh, either of those, uh, they're almost identical in, in terms of what, what the, the point of the book is um, and what they're trying to do. It's about the small habits that you do every single day the small improvements that you can make in your life that over time build up to, to massive changes. Um, I think that kind of like habits, uh, that kind of habits book is definitely a must read for anyone at the start of their, their learning, their learning journey or their reading journey. Uh, I think if you read 300 books, you probably got the gist of that um, by that point. Um, so you probably think those books were crap. Um, probably if we, <laughs> I read like the compound effect it was like the sixth book I ever read, and it was a, it was like my number one book for a long time until something else knocked it off. But I think if I read it now, it probably wouldn't even make the top one hundred. But uh, yeah, so it probably depends when you read that. Something that that might that caught me off guard, I guess, 
the main thing I think that caught me off guard was was philosophy books, just because I thought philosophy was for wanky, uh, pretentious young <laughs> students and equally wanky and pretentious old teachers with long white beards or something. That that's what that was the image of philosophy that I had in my head. But reading books like the Tao Te Ching uh, about you know two thousand plus year old ancient Chinese wisdom was like to, I was definitely not expecting to be caught off guard by that. I was ex- I was expecting something. Uh, something bizarre and useless but it turned out to be pretty uh pretty intriguing so that's some something that i'd probably say was certainly caught me off guard and, and certainly one of my favorite books at the same time that's very fascinating um the data ching if listeners aren't unfamiliar and you should be is um one of the it, it it's kind of in the, in the realm of the bible is like one of the most uh printed right so there's like multiple iterations of it you can find lots of different um translations but yeah it kind of it does hold it does hold some water so to speak yeah, <laughs> it does so congrats there gentlemen uh really appreciate your time i know you uh are busy busy men you've got podcasts to do and are you working on another book or not, not yet not yet <laughs> i'm sure it almost definitely will happen at some point in the future yeah. it, it's almost inevitable sure and you think you think it'll be different because this seems like a labor of love but also like like it was painstaking and like took a lot of time you think um maybe you might distill the essence of the shit they never taught you <laughs> into <laughs> uh, something you know more like the data check <laughs> we tried to do a podcast episode on our own book um yeah. just because everyone was asking us to do it and we couldn't yeah. do it it was because it was already distilled we couldn't <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't go to that next level of distilling our own book, so we, that episode never actually happened because we couldn't couldn't do it justice. It was like a mirror looking into a mirror, just like <laughs> reflected forever, and you're just like, I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you guys, <laughs> you guys are from Australia. Yeah. What do, What are you liking or disliking about things that you hear about uh, the uh, the United States of America these days? It's an interesting question. I feel like the US is leading just leading us and we're just like a little bit behind in, in a lot of ways. So some of the trends that is going over there, it sort of seeps into Australia at some stage. Um, so the, probably the one thing, it's probably a bit easier to answer the dislike thing in a pessimistic <laughs> way. It's just probably the political divide that's happening, the, mm. the lack of understanding and listening between a lot of people the tribalism that's going on. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is a bit worrying. And I think without that listening and intent to understand, then it's going to be very hard to solve some of the difficult problems that are happening around the world and yeah. uh, paint an even brighter future than we've got now. So just the just the listening, understanding, and the political rip that's going on and, and just the obsession with politics as well. Uh, I didn't think it used to be a thing like it is these days. For me, the the question itself, I guess, you know, what are we liking or disliking about what we're hearing about the US? I think that the what we're hearing is probably the key part of, of that. It's like where where are you getting the information from and, and through what filter are they putting that through? So I'm sure that everybody would have a different perspective on that based on where they're getting their information from. Mm-hmm. Um, without, without doubt, uh, Australia is, I guess, a little America, as Jonesy said, we're we're probably doing exactly what you guys are doing, but just a bit behind. We, we're, we're reading your books, watching your movies, watching your TV shows, listening to your songs, 
So I feel like that we are just, you know, we're culture-wise, we're we're effectively a very similar, a similar place or becoming a very similar place. So yeah, what am I liking or disliking? I think I think the US seems to have a, a spirit of uh, confidence. Sometimes can push into cockiness, but often that confidence um, and that that eagerness and that go getedness and and wanting to go out there and achieve big things, I think is a is a good thing to have. Um, it seems to be. Maybe it's just again, maybe it's just the types of books we're reading and the types of YouTube videos that we're watching. Um, that, mm-hmm. that seems like most people are more ambitious, uh, whereas here here maybe some people are a little more um, content, I guess, to 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 keep things as they are and and achieve. You know, achieve a, a comfortable bare minimum, but not push too far beyond that. So, Jonesy went with the the, the negative. I'll go with that as the positive. <laughs> I, I I love your answer, Ash. I totally agree with it. I, like hearing in the US, entrepreneurship in general. I think a lot of young people who might go out and try and start a business if they're young and ambitious and want to try and do something. In Australia, it's a little bit different. I think as our economy is built on mining, which is something that no one has to do really any work for and we end up being a rich country. And uh, a lot of the younger ambitious people in our country, it's all about, say, property development, get a land, bit of land, develop a house on it, flip it, and that's it. So I really look at, up to and admire the US culture in terms of entrepreneurship and and mm. innovation. I think it's definitely leading the world in that space. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, as you mentioned these things, you know, I can't help but but admit that there's this like great divide of uh, political politicization and, and polarization. And of course, a lot of it has to do with social media. But that spirit of confidence you talked about, actually, is like kind of this American exceptionalism, which works. It, it's a double edged sword, right? Because it kind of works for you and against you. You know, we have a lot of enemies and we have, and we make, um, friends but it's it's a tough one and uh you know i don't have the answers to any of this stuff but i think any any uh young entrepreneur can benefit from the shit they never taught you because i wish again i had this 10 years ago and i thank you both for (laughs) your candid um yeah just kind of uh availability and, and taking the time to rap with me about this stuff um is there anywhere you else you want to point listeners and and uh yeah, well, uh, what's next for you? The best place to go would be just to our podcast as a, as a, as a first place. So on mm-hmm. iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. And there'll definitely be a book in there that might scream out to you. So scroll through. We do a very wide range of books. And then if you like our style or if you're interested in, in more about the book, on our website, you can download the free introduction to the shit they never taught you. And, uh, and also <laughs> purchase it as well. So, yeah, go straight to the podcast or the website to have a look at the book. So, the website being whatyouwillearn.com. Of course, um, I appreciate you as fellows in the podcast space. The, the podcast is great. And, I, you know, again, I'm going back. I'm, I'm remembering. I'm learning things. But also, how do you feel about these uh, author interviews? Because that is was that a new thing for you? Were you kind of always incorporating the, the author interviews? Because it seems like you've gotten to speak with some just like uh, incredibly um, uh, lettered folks there. We uh, tried, I think, from early on, we tried a lot to, to, to get authors on and 
the first seven months we got no one on. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. we got a lot of actually we didn't get many no's. We just got a lot of ignores, a lot of no replies. Um, and then after seven months, we finally got our first yes. Like we probably got one out of fifty, and then we got the next batch of fifty. We probably got like two out of the next fifty, and then three out of the next fifty. Um, and then gradually built up a bit of credibility through having done the podcast for longer, having had better guests, having had more downloads. Eventually, got to the point where we were maybe like two or three out of five instead of fifty. Um, so that Amazing, was good in yeah. terms of people accepting. Um, we've had some some of our all time favorites: Robert Green, Seth Godin, Simon Sinek. Um, sure, we've had uh, two Australian prime ministers as well, um, which was pretty epic. We've had a, our first Nobel Prize winner just just a couple of months ago um, in Daniel Kahneman, and um, it was something that we did probably once or twice a month around probably the three the three year the third year of the podcast whereas now we sort of pulled back mm-hmm. a bit and now it's probably only we've probably only done three or four in the last 12 <laughs> to 15 months probably a lot of that was we were just focused on writing the book but yeah. a lot of that was also like people it seemed like people preferred listening listening to us and listening about books um, mm-hmm. rather than listening to the the author direct so we became a, a bit more uh, a bit more choosy I guess about what types of what types of interviews we were doing Right. And now they're trying to get on your show and you're like, uh, we're busy. We're, we're working here. Um, well, uh, congrats gentlemen on the work on the pod. I'll link to all the things. Um, you know, I, I always say this about both like British, uh, English and like Australian, like, I think we're countries divided by a common language because you guys have a way better, double entendres and insults than we do. <laughs> um, you know, we, we may come off as like confident and whatnot, but, uh, you guys, I, I always love listening to you. Um, I love the writing. I love, uh, love the work that you're doing. So congrats there. And, uh, please come back. We'll do another lesson on how to book guests or something like that. <laughs> Too good. And, uh, and then also whatever the next book is, <laughs> who knows yeah, when or who knows what, or who knows how far in the future, but at some point for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see what you guys do next because I have a feeling it's going to be pretty epic given that you've inhaled all the best books of the last um, couple hundred years. So uh, yeah, as you start to dig into the Socrates and all that great philosophy, I can't wait to to see what, what you output. <laughs> yeah, phenomenal. Good. Thanks, thanks so much for having us, mate. It's been, uh, it's been great to chat with you. Um, great to go deep on some of these things as well that, that that most people wouldn't sort of I guess understand in our normal realms um, that we yeah. that we sort of operate in. So it's uh, it was great to chat. Thanks so much, and we'd love to chat whenever. Thanks so much, Calton. Consider this a uh, a bond among uh, pod people, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's proprietary knowledge. Pod bond. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your day. I'm gonna nod off here to a good book and uh i hope that doesn't mean something different in australian (laughs) (laughs) you gotta be careful with that (laughs) all right gentlemen thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the writer files and if you enjoy the podcast please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us you can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm and you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.